Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Hey, Nuggets Nation, you're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stiffs. going on everyone welcome into the pickaxe podcast i am zach mikosh one of the co-hosts from denverstiffs.com today with me i am welcoming in all the way from salt lake city mr evan fiala evan what is going on buddy not much man how are you doing i'm doing well i appreciate you guys taking your your saturday night and spending it recording a denver nuggets podcast that is dedication there's nothing I'd rather be doing. Man. That's that's the spirit. <laughs> I like it. All right. Also with us um, from from a little bit closer to home, uh, right down there in Colorado Springs, is Ashley Douglas. Ashley, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Like I said, I can't can't complain. Like I said, as as much as you can for. Um, I imagine some people are doing far more exciting things with their Saturday evening, but uh, <laughs> I'm I'm enjoying it. I like podcasting. So. Totally. So this is gonna be this is gonna be an interesting podcast because it's the first one uh, that we're gonna do since there's really there's no Nuggets games to talk about since the Nuggets have been eliminated. So um, we'll have to do we'll touch a little bit more on just some general NBA stuff uh, at the end of the podcast, but we'll still keep it pretty Nuggets themed. And and with that, I guess we'll um, we'll go ahead and just dive right on in. And I want to take I want to take some time still to kind of like look back at the season. Uh, in general, last week we did the whole the whole season recap with all the grades and everything. Um, this week I kind of want to do more of just a, you know more of a fun, more kind of look back on things. So I guess I want to start with talking about what what we think would be our most like the most impressive performance or, or something that stuck stuck out to you. Um, for me, I think I mean there's it's it's probably going to be Jokic forty points in the Garden. Uh, which uh. is funny because it's, it's right. It's not one of the triple doubles, but it's uh, to me, it's just like that's such an it's such an iconic venue, um, and for him to score, that was his highest scoring output of the year. For him to do that there, uh, it's just it just really it, it it serves the whole the whole basketball um, theme, you know, the whole the whole romant the romanticism of it. Uh, Evan, what about you, man? What was your favorite moment from the season or favorite performance? This is gonna be lame. I have the same answer. Uh, all right no it's good but no i i really liked that game um because you know all year you hear everyone talking about how good Jokic is how great of a passer he is but then for him to go out and drop 40 like that i thought it was great to you know show the dude can score the ball too he's such a great shooter right from all over the floor and so i think having a big game like that really merited you know show how great of an offensive player he actually is not just passing so i i love that performance from him yeah all right no i mean like i said it was it was super impressive um ashley uh i mean would you go with the same or or is there another another performance you, you're thinking of i'm gonna go with a team performance and i think probably the the best one in my opinion would be the blowout win over the golden state warriors from the nuggets yes. um, mostly their bench 
And I just thought that was really cool because it showed them what they were capable of. I think that we've, you know, the Nuggets have a very special roster right now, especially with their young guys. And it was just cool to see them, you know, see what they could do. I think that was the coolest thing, not even just winning the game, but watching them experience winning the game. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it went um, – there was there was so many cool things about that game because – like you said, it was it was a lot of it was it was bench players. Uh, Mike Miller actually got significant minutes in that game. Um, yeah. I think they were missing two something like six rotation players, like six of the uh, uh, maybe uh, probably at that time coach was probably playing like a ten man rotation. So I think six out of the ten guys you would normally play were missing that game. Um, and you're right, it was it was an awesome. It was just an awesome experience as well because you th- think about it, they they also set the uh, they set the or tied the record. For three pointers in a game in that one, and um, yeah, had Wancho, Wancho had the huge. I think that was his biggest night uh, scoring mm-hmm. output. He had like he had like twenty seven that night, I think. Something right, like that. yeah, and it's like it was a, you that got was that. A... It was that first time you got to see with him um, really when when he's on fire when he's hitting those threes nonstop. Yeah, got, we got a little taste of, of maybe what what's to come there. That's a good one. I like that one. <laughs> So, uh, kind of moving, uh, we'll build off that. I guess we were talking about kind of whole games, whole performances there. Um, I want to get it down. Let's get down to down to like one play or one highlight. Um, Evan, I'll let you go first, man. Your favorite favorite play from the season? Any of the Jokic behind the back passes, probably. Right. <laughs> I know that's a dumb, that's an easy answer, but those passes are just incredible it's like how does he do that so accurately and then you know, it just blows my mind i could watch those highlights like for hours probably yeah and that's what i'll probably be doing this summer so <laughs> exactly we'll be filling out plenty of highlight reels and it's you're right man there's, there's so many of them that go like we said that was his signature move um or it really became his signature move as, as the season progressed ashley what about you uh, I think definitely the play where the Nuggets made nine passes before finally scoring. Right. I think obviously that was overkill, but um, just love that ball movement. And I think that kind of unselfish offense is really becoming their identity, which is just very cool in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what's funny is I think there was at least at least one of those uh, Jokic behind the behind the back or over the shoulder no look passes was one of those nine in there yeah <laughs> yeah exactly we managed to mix one of those one there that one was really exciting because they uh, they got the payoff obviously it's a, you, I think we saw a lot of possessions where they they get they pass it around almost too much like they did that time as well yeah uh, and then they ended up missing the shot and so it's all from not but that one they got they cashed it in. Um, I'm with you a lot, Evan, on on the behind the or over the shoulder passes from Jokic. I really think of the one against Sacramento uh, where he hit Jamal Murray, cutting Ooh. on that. So that was like really one of the first ones that he did. Um, oh. And it was the I think the reason I liked it so much was the window was so tight, uh, both for him to get that pass in, and then for it really Jamal only had that one step, and then he had to get that layup up, and he was able to spin it up there and get it on, um, <clears throat> get it in. That one I really liked. Uh, I, I think about the one, uh, the one to Wilson Chandler, um, right there near at the end of the season, where he basically it was the the touch pass. I mean, it was he only had it. Jokic only had it in his hands for maybe about a second, um, and just kind of kind of hockey passed that thing right in there to, to Chandler. No look. Uh, and then other other than the Jokic plays, I think something right there at the end of the season we really got to see some some impressive athleticism from Jamal Murray, which was. Uh, which yeah. was something, it was kind of a bit of a knock on him, right, when he was coming into the season. And so some of those dunks where he really, really got up, uh, those are also those are also some of the plays um, that I like the most. Let's, uh, let's do this, tell you what, uh, now let's kind of look at, look, at the, look at the season as a whole. Um, I mean, we all knew, we all, we, we could all, we could spend all day talking about how, how great Jokic was. Um, but but I think so. I think other than other than Jokic, actually, I want to ask you first. Who who had a season that I guess you could say was the most most impressive, other than Jokic, or, or was the most surprising for you? I'm going to go with Jamal Murray. I was just so impressed at how how well he came out, and obviously he's still a rookie. He's got a lot to learn and um, a long way to go. But man, when he got 
you know, going, it was just so great. And I think it was just a great glimpse into the Nuggets future. I think that this is probably a bold statement. He reminds me a little bit of Steph Curry uh, with his shooting abilities. And if he can continue to cultivate that, I think the Nuggets have a very special player on their hands. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Murray, um, he's got the... He's got all the all the skill set, right? Definitely, that that may, you can see why there's the comparisons to to Steph Curry. I'm with you. Like, I mean, it's that's a, that that would be a bold comparison and one that that's really not fair to make um, for Jamal yet, just, just because Steph is, is is I mean one of the best shooters we've ever seen. Uh, Evan, what about you, man? Who was your most surprising player of the year? Uh, so we're talking positively. I thought Gary Harris had a phenomenal year. Yep. He totally, I mean, he exceeded my expectations for how he developed. I think, you know, from from a three-point shooting perspective, he improved to, I think he shot 42% over the year, like, which is a great number for him considering he was at 20% his rookie year. Um, he's just really fit into the system. I could watch him cut all day with Jokic on the court, you know. He just really fits in well. Um, and I, I don't know if I'd ever want to see him leave. Yeah, well, I don't think I'd ever trade him. Like, well, good. He's, you know, the the good news is, uh, is Tim Connolly just just recently said that yeah, they plan on uh, they plan on getting him extended. They're they're going to try and get yeah. him extended this this off season, which is which will be a huge move. It's, it would be an That'd underrated be move, but uh, a really savvy one at that. Uh, so so though, Evan, you said that that was your positive surprise, which I assume then you have a who, somebody who's most surprising on the negative side. Who would that be? Nurkic. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. That that's <laughs> there's there's no way to put it around, and it is surprising. I, I think surprising is a, is a certainly. It, it was surprising just how like how much hype. I think he had a lot of hype going into the season. Like you know, on social media, he was all over the place talking about how he's in the gym all the time. You know you know, the prove them wrong little slogan he had. And then he came out, he looked good in preseason. And then he just, I don't know. He just like sucked. Yeah. He looked, and know, then he looked his way out of here. preseason. That's, that's right. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's certainly, that is a, that was a huge surprise for the season. And, and, and you bring up that good point. Like you said, I mean, he looked great in the preseason. It really looked like that the Jokic Nurkic lineup would work. And then it just bombed. Um, just yeah, and then, and I just don't think anyone would have predicted that like he would have forced his way out of here. You're right. This year, but yeah, I think you're right. And you know what though? Maybe maybe did the Nuggets a favor. I mean, he kind of forced their hand, and they now they made that decision as far as uh, as who their future center of the future is going to be. Um, you know, <laughs> you know who's probably my most surprising player, honestly, would probably be Jameer Nelson for this season because I did not. <laughs> I did not expect Jameer Nelson to uh, become the starting point guard for the Nuggets in in a key stretch rundown that almost got him into the playoffs. If you had told me that that's what was going to happen uh, this year, I would have been like, "That's that's uh, you're absolutely nuts." Um, it's just so funny because he was he was benched at the end of last season for DJ Augustine, and then they they let Augustine go. They keep Jameer, and he, it was just uh, I just didn't see it coming. So he was. He's definitely one of my most surprising. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier, I guess, kind of in the same way you you were talking to Evan, if you're going to say more of a negative, uh, negative way, it was just because they, not not so much that um, that that, that Moutier didn't perform. It's just that that he really didn't get much better from last year. Uh, yeah, and that that was that was really surprising, just because you figured seventh overall pick, and you you, you give him the pass because you know he was like, wow, he played what like. Tw- uh, maybe a dozen games in China uh, and then he came over to play the NBA but you were really hoping after that that rookie season that he would have some big improvement he didn't I thought that was that was a fairly surprising um, development I guess for me as well he did look pretty good you know after he was benched he came in those last few games I thought he looked a lot better than yet yeah. than yeah. earlier so that's a good sign for sure but but I yeah. agree you know, I for players actually on the team, you know, it's kind of disappointing that he Absolutely. hasn't panned out as, per se. Absolutely, and you know what? Um, and that—that's what gives you hope, though, right? Was those last few games because he did look a lot better, and so it's—it's um, just—it's—it's it's a big off season for Emmanuel. It really is. He's gonna be 
Um, a guy who's obviously, I mean, it's it's going to be a prove-it year for him next season, which is also uh, a contract year, I think. No, it should be. He'll have one more year before his contract's up, but um, he'll be getting there. But it'll still, either way, I mean, if if it doesn't work out for him next year, it would be hard to see the Nuggets sticking with him much longer. Uh, tell you what, we'll go ahead, and I want to now want to kind of shift and and talk a little bit, kind of right there down at the end of the season, um, at the end of the stretch there, and and, and the playoff run, and then not making it. Um, Ashley, what's your opinion on this? The Nuggets, I mean, they went heavy on the vets, right? Jameer Nelson, like we're saying, was starting. Uh, Gallo played tons of minutes. Wilson Chandler played tons of minutes. Emmanuel Moutier didn't play. Juancho Hernan Gomez didn't play. Malik Beasley didn't play. It was a, a, They went all in to make the playoffs, and they missed it. I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, do, you, do you think that there should be some regret that they didn't just play the young guys because in the end they didn't get into the postseason anyways? I think a little bit. I think, you know, obviously you can't just put it all on the rookies because that's going to be tough, and I, I, I see that going poorly. But at the same time, I think there could have been a little bit more balance. You know, they played the vets so much, and Jameer Nelson saw so many minutes, and I'm like, look, we the, the point here, right, is we have a young team where we got to get them some experience. So why don't we... You know, we don't need to be playing, you know, all these veterans 30 minutes a night. Let's back off a little bit and give the rookies a little more time because now next season they're, they're still coming in with not a ton of experience, which, which is a problem. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, you know, and like I said, I mean, you you can just look back though, not, it it would have been the, the whole, the whole strategy, they could have sat back and said, Hey, look, we, we went with the vets and and it worked. If they had made the playoffs, doesn't matter if they've got swept by the warriors in the first round, if they had just made the playoffs, they could have hung their hat on that. Um, because they can't now, it opens it up for questioning. Evan, what's your thoughts on that? I'm kind of torn because I, I understand why they went with the vets because they were I think it's very clear from the beginning of the year that playoffs were the goal and they were going to do anything they could to get there. Yeah. I do wish they would have played those guys a little bit more. I don't think it's the end of the world because they're so young anyways. Like They're going to get more time next year um, and over the summer and stuff. I The one thing I do regret, or I guess that I wish would have done better, is that when these young guys did get, did get playing time, that Malone would have rode them a bit more the example that comes to my mind was Moutier against OKC um when he was in that fourth quarter there he was playing really great and then uh I think he put Nelson back in or Murray he took Moutier out and then the Nuggets blew the lead and I think afterwards he admitted that he should have kept Moutier in a little bit longer so I think kind of some small decisions like that um could have made things a little bit better for Denver it's interesting because You'd think these veteran guys with the all the experience would have been able to carry the team, but towards the end of the year, it was the young guys, and when they got minutes that were really, you know, really impressing and even uh, helping win some of these games. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, I mean, I mean specifically, every game, Jokic, right, is obviously playing a big part, and so is Gary Harris. Um, which so for those guys, you know, I kind of think like well, maybe what would have been a shame. Um, is if they could have made the playoffs just because I think those guys, specifically Jokic, Harris, and then and, uh, to a small amount, I think, I mean, Jamal Murray, I believe, probably probably would have got some minutes. I don't think Jamal would have got too many minutes if they had made the playoffs, maybe like 10 to 15 minutes a game, um, kind of probably in that second to uh, mid, mid-second quarter time slot. But it would have been really good, for, especially for, for Jokic and Harris, if those guys, I think, could have got just got a taste of the playoffs and what that atmosphere is like. And, 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 you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, you're just going to play the Warriors and you get swept. But the great thing about playing the Warriors is that it's one of the most hostile environments you can go into <laughs> and play a playoff game. So mm-hmm. it would have been it would have been great for these guys to get that, I think, as your first experience. And, like, who cares if you get your butt kicked? At least you get to see, yeah, that's what it takes. This is what you're going to go into and this is what you're going to face. And if you want to get to the ultimate goal, that's what you got to go through. That I think could have been really valuable for him. So that for me is is the real shame of not making it. Um, 
Ashley, do you think am, am I making too much of it? Do you think it, like if they had made the playoffs and they got swept, it, it no big deal, or or do you think it could have been valuable for those guys to get that experience? Oh no, I absolutely think it would have been incredibly valuable. I mean, so take for example the Boston Celtics Chicago Bulls series right now. Obviously, there's other issues going on there, but Dwayne Wade knows how to get a team ready for the playoffs, and I think that type of uh, experience competing at a very high level is what the Nuggets need if they want to, you know, ultimately make it past the first round of the playoffs, um, which they haven't done and I don't know how long. But you know, I, I, it's it's unfortunate that they didn't get to do that this year. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think um, you're right on point there as well, Evan. What do you think? Yeah. So. So I guess when you say young players now, in, in my mind, I just revert automatically to Wancho and Beasley <laughs> just because, like, Jokic has been playing so long. Harris has been starting for so long. Um, I agree with that. Like, those two guys would have been it would have been great to get them in the in the playoffs. It would have been fun as hell to watch Jokic against the Warriors, too. But, I mean, what can you do? Yeah, exactly. It uh, could have, would have, should have, huh? Let me ask you guys this, because I think this is a really interesting conversation or a really interesting topic to discuss. The Nuggets were once again not great in attendance. I think, I mean, we haven't seen the official numbers, um, or at least I, I didn't look them up. All full disclosure, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do I think, the, the homework. I, I think on ESPN on their stat thing, they did end up last again. But they ended up last again. So I, see, so, I think so. Yeah. Um. And it, well, I mean, I can say for because I went to a lot of games, and Ashley, you can you can uh, speak to this as well because I know you're a season ticket holder. Um, it certainly felt like the attendance got better. The excitement was more so coming back towards the end of the year. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think, you know, uh, coming from a marketing background, you know, the Nuggets started to get an identity, and you had a you had a group of people to market as representative of the city. And I think Jokic obviously was the forefront of that. And so that just became a very uh, good tactic to use with, you know, telling the city, hey, you, you support the Broncos, you support the Rockies. Why don't you come out and support the Nuggets? They're pretty awesome. So um, I think they're going to continue to see that into next season. Yeah. Ever, what do you think, man? Do you think, like, because they missed the playoffs, do you think, like, there's going to be – now people are going to be like, man, whatever – the Nuggets yeah. are still same old Nuggets. Yeah, you think so? <laughs> yeah, I mean, most of the let's be honest, most of the fans in Denver are these casual fans, anyways. And so, to them, to them, winning is the only way to get in. I think the Nuggets had a great opportunity this this past year to, you know, they were gaining momentum. There were more bigger crowds showing up and whatnot. But every time there's a big game, they totally laid an egg, and that doesn't help at all either. Against. Uh, OKC with the chance to, to you know stay alive in the race, and you, yeah. what can you do against Westbrook? But then the the other game, the Pelicans game, the week before, yeah, like are you kidding me? That doesn't yeah, do anything to say, help you put a name, that's, a name um, for yourself in the city. Mm-hmm. That's the game that stands out to me the most is that Pelicans game because it's like it wasn't and and right now the Pelicans weren't it wasn't like they were a big opponent, but it was like um, the Nuggets had all the momentum right then and there, and they, I think that was what the game before they went to go play the Blazers in Portland, right? Um, so it was like, okay, they're gonna, you know, they would, they've been winning a bunch of games. They had to wrap it up, wrap up this homestand with against New Orleans and, and Boogie Cousins is out and, and then they can go off and they can take down Portland and pretty much basically lock up the, the playoffs. And, and instead they come out and they just completely lay an egg and you're right. And, and they, there was a good crowd. They, they gave out the thunder sticks for that game. Um, it mm-hmm. was, you know, it was like they were, everybody was really amped and, uh, and then they just they just completely were a no show, so yeah, I think I tend to kind of agree with you a little bit, Evan. I think it, it'll be you know it's gonna be kind of like what Denver always is like. the The Broncos are gonna play, and nobody's really gonna care uh, too much about the Nuggets. And then around February, people are gonna start paying attention. And I think the Nuggets are gonna be right mm-hmm. there in that playoff race again. And I think so, uh, possibly even more with a little bit more solid positioning next season. And I think maybe the excitement will start coming back, and we'll start seeing, uh, we'll start really seeing the fans come back if the Nuggets can get in, get into the postseason next year. Um, in order to do that, or you know, obviously they're, they're, if they want to get to that ultimate goal, they're going to have to make some changes, or, or they're going to have to do some, some some something different with their roster. As we saw this year, there were uh, quite a bit of 
quite a bit of grumblings, I guess we'll call it, from from some <laughs> veterans on the on the team, and um, and so I think I think uh, there'll, there'll definitely be some changes there. Uh, Evan, I want your opinion first, man. What uh, if you were gonna pick some veteran guys who who would not or you don't think are gonna be back on the team next next season? Who would it be? Uh, Gallo for sure. Yeah. Um, just you know, he has the option to opt out and whatnot. Uh, my from there though, I don't know. Like my biggest fear is that that you know Connolly and all them will say, okay, we got you won forty games, improved by seven wins. Uh, we're still on the fringe here. My biggest fear is that they're going to say, okay, we sh- this is, we still have a good team here with more experience. They'll get even better and make it to the playoffs next year. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm kind of worried that they're not really going to do any big moves like that. Yeah. You know, it's um, well, it's interesting. I want to I want tell you what, I want to get Ashley. I want to get your opinion first, but then I want to touch back in a little bit on what you said there. And so I think. Um, I tend to have a little bit of a different opinion, but actually, what about you? Do you, do you think is is Gal your your most likely veteran to not be on the team next season? I I don't think so, and the reason why is, I mean, unless the Nuggets decide to part ways with him, right? If they don't make him the offer that he needs, then then that's when it doesn't you know come to fruition. But from everything I've been hearing, he wants to stay in Denver. So I I mean I, I don't think he's going to go unless the Nuggets let him go. Um, I think slash hope that Jameer Nelson will be on his way out. I think right. he's great, but man, they got to get, they got to do something different there. Um, right. With, he just with doesn't the no the defense yet. thing. Yeah. So, um, but other than that, you know, I, I, I tend to have a little bit of a different perspective than Evan, but because I, I do, I do think they have a good young team that they need to kind of cultivate, but there are some changes like the, in the, in the backcourt that need to be made. Yeah. I, uh, I I I, uh, I agree. Um, I think I I think Jameer Nelson is the is the guy you really really more more than any someone else you got to make that decision. Or I think that's not even like again. I I think Jameer did great this season. I think he was a great surprise for us. But um, I think you have to go with Murray and Moutier and Harris as your three guard rotation, and then maybe you have Barton, who's that swing between the two and the three. Um, and I think you got to make that commitment. Now's the time. Like, but you're right, Evan. I think they could. They could very well just be like, you know what? Uh, we could keep Jameer. He could still maybe be our starting point guard, bench point guard somewhere in there, and we'll go chase. We'll do, go chase the the playoffs again uh, that way. And I, I I wouldn't rule it out. I wouldn't rule it out. It wouldn't. Yeah, it wouldn't be no, the way I, I'd go. Uh, I I think it's interesting. Neither one of you mentioned Wilson Chandler because. I thought Wilson was the most vocal of anyone about wanting, um, about wanting to leave, and and of course he's under contract, whereas Gallo's not. So there, there's that whole portion to play in it. But if I if I, if I thought just one one guy in the team who maybe both both the team and the player are like, hey, you know what, it's it's just time for a change of scenery, uh, would be Wilson, and he certainly got value. I mean, he had a career year, so he's he's right in a prime. Um, I think that might be another guy got to look at. Either him or Gallo. I, I think one of those two guys ends up ends up going along with Jameer. Yeah. Uh, I think sh- they I think they keep Chandler if uh, if Gallo walks. So yeah, right. It's I think kind that's of, the trade off there, though. You kind of have to wait to see what Gallo does too. Well, tell you what, I want to. So I wanted to talk a little bit about about the draft and and, and the draft lottery because um, I think what I think is, is going to happen there is you make that decision is, is if you're going to use Wilson Chandler, if you're going to trade him, you're probably going to do that on draft night. And um, that draft, the draft happens right before free agency. So yeah, that could be, that could be, okay, hey, we, we're going to try and make a move. If we end up making a move and we trade Wilson Chandler, fine, okay, great. That means we can go and we can get, get Gallo signed um, first thing in free agency. If we can't get moved, Chandler... Uh, then okay, hey, maybe we're gonna let Gallo walk. I think that's what they can do. Let me let me ask you guys though. Uh, first things first, we got to get through the, the draft lottery. Uh, are you gonna be tell you Evan? Will you will you watch the lottery at all, or do you even care? Uh, I I would. I'm actually gonna be on vacation, ah. so I won't be able to. I'll be on a cruise ship then, so yeah, no, I won't be able to tune in live. But I mean, I'll 
pay attention to it. I'll try but, and look up okay, the results. Okay, so and will you pay? Will you pay the ten dollars for no. <laughs> fifteen minutes of Wi-Fi? No, no, no. I'll wait until uh, that weekend to figure it out. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Ashley, what about you? Any excitement for the draft lottery? Not really. I mean, I, I'll, I'll pay attention to see what happens. But honestly, I think the Nuggets are kind of in the worst situation. Obviously, they didn't make the playoffs, and they don't have like a, a ton of opportunity to get a great lottery pick so right see what I happens think, but i'm not yeah i think there's what there's like a thousand ping pong balls and, and the nuggets have six of them this yeah is what it shakes yeah. out to so <laughs> yeah not uh not great odds yeah it's funny the it's kind of the draft lottery has always been something uh it's kind of a uh an unofficial holiday for the stiffs all the way back to our founder Andy Feinstein always talked about how much how when he was a kid he used to get so excited for the draft lottery because that's just what you get excited for as a Nuggets fan. Um, and this year, that's sad. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> this year, uh, but this year you can't even get excited for that because you're right. There's really no chance of them um, getting it. Now watch though. Now watch this. This will be the year they actually find, finally pull it off, which will be amazing. no. The the um, Nuggets thing to happen was that they'll actually move back. Yeah, they'll somehow right. They'll somehow uh, the the heat, the heat will jump forward and into the top three. Yeah, I could see it. Um, tell you so. Let's let's assume they're going to get the thirteenth pick in the draft, um, and we have talked about maybe a guy like Wilson Chandler being a guy you trade. Uh, Ashley, what do you think? Do you do you think do they stay pat at thirteen? Should they try and move up? Should they try and trade out of the draft entirely? What do you think they should do there? Um, I mean, if they have an opportunity to move up, maybe they, they at least evaluate it. But I think 13 is not a bad spot. I think right. some of the – Jokic was kind of a late pick, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, so he was a second he, rounder. He was a second round. Yeah, you, I mean, you never know. So it's kind of one of those things where if you got an opportunity to move up, if you don't have to trade a ton of assets away to do it, awesome. If not, stay put and see what you can get. You know, a guy who I think I think might have been thirteenth overall was Gary Harris, right? Or was it was it no? It was Yusuf Nurkic who was the first. Because if you remember, Harris, the Nuggets, was, Harris was nineteenth. Yeah, Harris was nineteenth, so the Nurkic was the other. Uh, he was like eleventh or tenth or something. Or, well, wasn't he thirteenth? And they they traded the eleventh pick, which was McDermott, for thirteen and nineteen, which would have been Nurkic and um, yeah. Harris, I think that's how it went down. So, but, yeah, yeah. but the point is, as like you were saying, Ashley, is you can find, you can certainly find value in that range. Evan, what do you think they should do? I'm, I'm in the same boat. I mean, I'm not too worried about who Tim Connolly drafts because he's so freaking good at it. Right. But like, if there, if there's an opportunity to move up and they're targeting someone who they know the only way to get him is, is to move up. Yeah, go for it. But I don't think it's the end of the world if they stay put. Right. Well, so one of the interesting things about this draft, too, is there, there's a ton of, like, there's like five uh, really good point guards, uh, which I just, I can't see the Nuggets drafting another point guard. They're not the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, and <laughs> so I can't see them doing that uh, for the third year in a row. So moving up is interesting because there's there's not a lot of incentive, I think. I think if I were them, I would stay put. Now, don't get me wrong. If you can make it like some big time move, packaging a Wilson Chandler, a Will Barton, what, what have you, a Kenneth Freed, whoever it may be, then sure, yeah, I'm sure you stay open to it. But I think in this draft, I'm pretty happy at 13. And with the an underrated thing in, is the new CBA, you get two extra uh, inactive roster spots. So there's two more guys who, I mean, they don't suit up for games. But they can be on your roster. You can be on practice. You can send them down to the D League. Not sure if the Nuggets will have a D League team next year or not. Uh, but I think that I'd be totally open to just stick sticking there right at thirteen and trying to get the value. I think it would be worthwhile. Um, so I'll tell you what, we'll uh, we'll go ahead and uh, with that we'll, we'll go ahead and take a break here. Uh, we'll go. We'll, we'll get into a little bit of just the general NBA stuff. Kind of talk a little bit. Talk some playoffs. Um, We'll talk about some season awards. We'll get into the the, the great MVP debate. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be right back. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck. Maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. 
They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. All right, everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to the Pickaxe Podcast. I am Zach Nikosh. We are here today with our co-hosts, Ashley Douglas and Evan Fialia. We were just talking about um, talking about the Nuggets and their offseason. And, and now we wanted to kind of talk a little bit more about just the playoffs in general and what's going on. Um, I think uh, as we were recording this, I was watching here. Let me check the stats because I was just watching uh, Memphis and San Antonio were playing against each other. It was a pretty close game. I think that was game four. And yeah, Memphis wins it in overtime. Let's see. We missed, I missed the oh, wow. movie in there. Yeah, Memphis wins it in overtime, ties up that series. That'll be a good one. That one might go, that one might end up might go in seven. Um, so, uh, I kind of wrote an article this, uh, this week about, it's something I, another, another, we were talking about the sad tradition of always being excited about the lottery and another sad tradition I have as a Nuggets fan is I always have to figure out some surrogate team to root for in the playoffs because either the Nuggets, A, haven't made the playoffs or they always are getting bounced in the first round. That's been pretty much the entire, uh, the entire story of my life as a Nuggets fan. So. I ended up the team I ended up picking this year that I'm really rooting for is the Washington Wizards, and I think it's because I think Washington's a super exciting team to watch. John Wall had this play today; it was incredible. It was uh, he did the behind the back. It's like it's like he he did everything you wish Emmanuel Mudiay would do on one of those crazy drives, right? He blows right by his guy just like Mudiay does. He does the crazy behind the back um, dribble move. And then and then, but what does he do that Moutier doesn't do? He he rises up and he and he flushes it with the with the jam and gets the finish. It was a really nice play. So I, I think the Wizards not only exciting to watch though. I also think they have got a good chance of maybe of, of making it to the Eastern Conference Finals and then they get to play against Cleveland. Uh, and I think anything could happen. Obviously, in, in a series like that, I think I think uh, the Wizards actually are a decent decent team uh, to match up against Cleveland. So that's who I'm rooting for. Ashley, what about you? Is there a special team or somebody in particular you're watching in these playoffs? You know, I've always been a big fan of the San Antonio uh, system, if you want to call it that. Just sure. their, their long-term mentality, the way they keep players around, their longevity. So I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping they do their thing. Um, I'm being optimistic against their chances of their chances against the Golden State Warriors. And then also on the Eastern Conference side, uh, you know, for various reasons, I'm kind of rooting on the Boston Celtics. I hope they pull pull themselves together in this uh, first round and get to get to move on. They've done a great job this year, so I'd like to see that for them. Yeah, absolutely. They have the Celtics. There's there's a lot of reasons to root for the Celtics, no doubt. Um, Evan, any any team for you? I've been trying to like decide whether I should root for a team or anything, and I was actually the other day I was like, oh, maybe I'll just go for Utah because they, right. they haven't been in the playoffs in like four years. So it's been kind of cool to see, you know, the city come alive again and, and all that hoopla. Um, and I actually ended up going to the game last night and nice. it was a fun game. It was a good atmosphere, but I, I just can't stand jazz fans. They just leave a bad taste <laughs> in my mouth every time. So I'm not too, you know, I'm not going to pick them or anything. I will hope they beat the Clippers, but I'm not going to root for them to go all the way or anything. I think, uh, if I had to pick a team to choose for, I'd probably choose the Bucks. I think yeah. they're just mm-hmm. a fun team to watch. Giannis is incredible. Yeah. And their their uh, social media team is like one of the best I've ever seen. <laughs> it's fun watching, scrolling through Twitter and seeing what they're doing to troll the Raptors each time. That is true. They uh, they are definitely one of the best. You know who I mean, the shame is the the Kings who are who are of course a mess, but uh, the Kings have also one of the best social media accounts. Yeah. 
as well. Uh, I'm with you too on the Bucks, man. I'm really uh, Giannis is so fun to watch. He's he's probably the most exciting player in my opinion to watch, and I really am pulling for them to beat the Raptors just because I really want to see uh, Giannis versus LeBron in the playoffs. I think that would be, oh my god, yeah, yeah. Right, that would be incredible. Um, but the Raptors give the Raptors credit. They they come back today and they get that win uh, to make that series two two. That one, if there's any series that definitely looks like it's going seven games, uh, it's that Toronto Milwaukee series. Um, which has been which has been a blast to watch, and I think that's it's going to be a fun one to watch, um, all the way down to the end. Let me let me ask. Uh, I'll go we'll go right back to you, Evan. Speaking of the of the Raptors and the Bucks, um, and then also the Celtics and the uh, the Bulls, which um, those are the two kind of like if you're going to pick two teams or two series that might go an upset, uh, those are kind of the two we're watching right now. Um, do you think, do you think either one of those teams, the, uh, the Bulls or the Bucks can pull it off? Uh, I think the Bucks definitely have the better chance or no, I think both of them can. The Bulls have a really good chance just cause right. you know, Dwayne Wade, you have playoff experience like that. It helps a ton. Losing Rondo really hurts them because he was just killing it those first two games. Um, I also don't think the Celtics are as good of a team as advertised. So uh, I think the Bulls have a good shot. The Bucks, like you were saying, I think that game, that series should, will probably go to seven. And at that point, um, if you want to just take the old notion that the best player on the court will win, then I think the Bucks will take that one too. Yeah, I agree. I um, it's a very good point, I and mean, you see it in the playoffs all the time. The team, it really does so often come down to the team who has the best player ends up being the team um, who wins the series. Ashley, what do you think? Do you think either of those teams are going to get the upsets? Uh, I definitely think the Bucks will get the upset um, in that series. I think they just have so much momentum going from their success kind of later in the season with Giannis exploding. Um, the Bulls, possibly. We'll see. I think, you know, the Celtics have a long way to go. I, I don't think they're necessarily going to, you know, win the title or anything this year, but... Um, I don't know. I do think they're a better team than Chicago, uh, hands down. So I'm 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 hopeful, and I'm I'm thinking they will uh, beat the Bulls in that series. Yeah, you know what's the so what's the interesting thing is usually that eighth seed is is a team that's like filled with young players who kind of like kind of like Portland, right? Who's got they've got some young guys and like I mean Damian Lillard's got a little bit of playoff experience, um, but mo- for most of that those guys are they're like a young team with some definite talent. Uh, but still trying to kind of like figure out how to win and how to win in the postseason. Whereas Evan, like you said, the, this Bulls team, I mean, these are guys, Dwayne Wade is the NBA champion. Rajon Rondo is an NBA champion. Um, these guys know what it takes to get it done in the playoffs. And and that's why I, I kind of wonder if maybe if Boston, Boston's actually kind of the young team who doesn't have a ton of experience. Um, and, and I wonder if... Uh, if they're going to be able to to come back now, they had a great win in Chicago, which they really needed. Obviously, if they went down three three zip, I mean, no one no one has ever come back from that. Um, but they still got a long ways to go, and I wonder if they can pull it off. Just because, I mean, Dwayne Wade is the type of guy who might have uh, twenty points in a half to to close out a game, you know, to to keep the Bulls in the front. Um, I'm I'm pulling for Boston just because of everything that's going on with Isaiah Thomas and stuff. That's that's such a rough thing. I really I think. Um, see them get get the victories um and, and see how far they can go it's it's hopefully i think i think the what, what happened obviously with, with with his sister dying uh i think that's a big reason for why they they just got completely shelled in those first two games in boston um and now though i think it might be a, a galvanizing um uh kind of thing that they can rally behind and maybe maybe they do end up coming back and getting the victory um, thinking, looking, looking a bit a little more at the Western Conference and those playoffs specifically, because it kind and kind of bringing it back towards the Nuggets again. Uh, the Nuggets, obviously, the team first team out of the playoffs this year in the Western Conference, and and so obviously, if they're going to make it in next year, which I think is everybody's expectation, then I, I've kind of been looking at okay, so like who's going to drop out of the playoffs? Because I was thinking, I think a popular pick. I was thinking about this today. A popular pick that people would say would be Memphis. Um, but as I was watching Memphis today, I realized I was like, you know what? Mike Connolly's not going to be any worse next season than he is this season. Mark Saul's not going to be any worse than he is 
this season. He's if anything, these guys will be just as good or even better. Uh, a guy like Zach Randolph, his game, he could probably play that t- game till he's like fifty. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, maybe Vince Carter retires right, but that's not a it's not a huge loss for him. So I I don't know if Memphis falls out. Portland is another team who I think is probably only going to get better, especially if Yusuf Nurkic plays like he has for them. Um, Evan, what do you think, man? Who who do you look at? If you're looking at the West and you're thinking, okay, the Nuggets are going to get in the playoffs, who do you see in this current group of teams that, that's going to fall out? Oh, man, that's a that's a tough one. I think oh, I mean, the only way, because I, I agree with you on, on the Grizzlies and Trailblazers. Like, the Grizzlies are they're always so consistent they'll be in barring some catastrophic injury or whatever trailblazers should get better just with even the roster they have right now i know they're you know the cap space situation isn't very good um i guess we hope that the clippers blow up like that's the only situation i can see yeah it it very very much is a possibility hope that's why i hope uh i mean hope utah beats them because i don't i don't like them very much to begin with but that experiment needs to end Right. Um, that's really the only situation I can see. Like OKC, they're going to be in, or close right. enough you to be in. Where Westbrook will just will them yeah. into the playoffs. It, it's going to be super tough for Denver. And then on the below them, you got the Pelicans. They realistically should be getting better. You know, it's I don't know. It's going to be a tough. Timberwolves. I think it's going to be tougher next year for Denver than than this year was. Yeah, Ashley, what do you think? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. Um, I think, yeah, possibly the only viable option there is if the, the Clippers, you know, blow up like Evan said. I think, you know, the Thunder are having a hard time right now, but I don't think that's going to mean they're going to play bad next season. I think they're going to be just fine and they'll make the playoffs again. Um, and I I was one that, that never th- thought Portland should be out of the playoff running to begin with, there was they had no business being where they were at. I mean, they Damian Lillard, and I mean they have they have so much great talent on that team. They should they should never have been where they were this season. Um, so yeah, I guess maybe the Clippers is the only option. But I also don't think that the Pelicans are much of a threat. Honestly, I I think the Anthony Davis to Marcus Cousins combo is actually a giant disaster. I think it's going to be as cool as everybody thinks <laughs> that's a that's an interesting take and i don't i don't necessarily um i don't necessarily disagree with you on that one uh and who knows uh, demarcus cousins is a i think he's a free agent right so he could um yeah he could he could possibly sign somewhere else Spe- uh, speaking of free agents too i mean if the jazz lose hayward who's going to be a free agent that's that's yeah that'll be huge george hill's going to be free agent if those two guys go then you know, Suddenly, I think yeah, the Jazz can follow yeah, it as well. You don't know but... how much how much Rudy Gobert can really carry. Uh, um, that's that's a good point. Yeah, uh, and so... then and then you never know. I mean, there's obviously you, you never know what could happen. Uh, if if James Harden were to get injured, I don't think Houston's making the playoffs. You know, I don't. Um, there's 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 plenty of scenarios like yeah. that. Same with the Spurs if something were to happen to Kawhi Leonard. Um, so, I guess it's interesting to see though. Like I said, I think I think it's going to be a lot tighter. Um, than everybody expects. I think it sounds like we're all kind of in agreement there. So I'll tell you what we'll do now. We'll uh, we'll go ahead and get ready to wrap it up. But uh, we'll go through. I want to go through the big debate um, that everybody's doing right now because the season's over. So we're all talking about season awards. So I kind of quickly want to go through our our season awards and, and who we think should win. Um, I want to start with the with the big debate, which is the MVP. Ashley, I'll get your opinion first. Who's your MVP vote going to? Uh, for me, it has to be Westbrook. I mean, he. He broke yeah. Oscar Robertson's record for most triple doubles this year. And I also respect the fact that he's not been publicly critical of his teammates. I think that's a huge leadership quality. Um, so I, I just, I don't like Russell Westbrook, to be frank. I don't like his persona, but I respect the hell out of the guy for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good pick. And I would agree uh, if I, my pick would go also to Russell Westbrook. Um, I think you can uh there's uh, james harden has been great uh i would never vote for him just i don't like his, his style of play it's selfish you can you can say whatever you want about it i just i just wouldn't do it mm-hmm. um and and the people the the argument the number one argument when people give when you're talking usually harden versus westbrook is well look at the standings the the rockets were so much better and i get that but 
Um, I honestly think the. I mean, if you take Russell Westbrook off the Oklahoma City Thunder, we're just talking about if a player got injured, how a team might not make the playoffs. Stuff the Thunder, absolutely. If Westbrook were to get injured, I don't think the wonder the Thunder win ten games um, without him on their team. Honestly, They're, that's <laughs> that's how much of an impact obviously that he has. Uh, so that would be my vote, Evan. Who would you go with? I really liked Kawhi Leonard this year. Yeah, I, but you know, going back to that same argument, if you remove him from from the equation, I think the Spurs probably have the best chance of winning the most games out of those three teams, minus yeah. their star player. So that's you know kind of where the the fallout is with him. That yeah, he's he's a key player, but he's in such a great efficient system that is he really like MVP in that way? I just thought he had a fantastic season uh, on both ends of the floor, which right. the other guys you can't only say they're they're great at offense, but their defense is suspect, you know. Um, yeah, well, or non-existent in the case. Of yeah, Harden. yeah, Harden. Yeah, <laughs> but Just, I think I, Westbrook certainly deserves it, and I think he's going to win it. But I would have voted Kawhi if I had a, an actual vote. Nice, nice. All right, all right. Well, let's move right into the next one, which is most improved player. I'll go first on that one. Um, the debate, obviously, on most improved player, in my opinion, comes down to two guys, which is Giannis and Jokic. Um, and I'm I'm going to go with the non-homer vote. I think I, as great as Jokic has been, I think Giannis is um, has has done a little bit more. And is kind of shown a little bit more, and he's also I think he's play, he's going from in his third season now. So um, a lot of people don't like to do the vote for most improved player for a guy in his second year because it's just it's the easiest time. That, so you know the theory is that it's easiest to improve from from your rookie season to your second season just because um, you know it makes sense. Just like anytime when you start a new job, that that, that first uh, transition period is always the toughest. Um, so, but I would still go with Giannis just because I think he's incredible. I think he's he's honestly, if you if you want, here's my my podcast hot take. Um, you can talk about the Steph Curry's and the, and the uh, uh, you know Kawhi's or whoever you want. If you if you're gonna ask me in the next the next ten years who's the best player in the NBA, I would I would say it's probably gonna be Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, Evan, what about you? Most improved player? Who do you got? Giannis. Yes. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Um, Ashley? Um, you know, I think Jokic, obviously I'm going to be biased because he's a Denver Nugget, but I I think also, um, I I really loved watching Gary Harris um, blossom this year as well. So I think he'll probably take a close second in in my my book anyway. Excellent. The strong, strong Nuggets vote coming from Ashley. I like it. I like it. Um, all right, six man of the year is a, is a, another interesting debate. You could actually you could debate two guys on the Rockets just just in and of itself. Evan, who do you got for six man of the year? Eesh. I don't know. This is this is tough because uh, for me it comes down to Eric Gordon and Andre Iguodala. Yeah, where you know Eric Gordon had a fantastic first half of the year and then it kind of simmered off a little bit. Where Iguodala had a really strong, you know, he really picked up his game when KD went down. Um, I think I'd probably have to go with Gordon though. Yep. Yep. No, I'm with you as well. I would also go Eric Gordon. Um, you, he had a phenomenal start to the season. Um, one of the best kind of, kind of what you always hoped Eric Gordon would be yeah. uh, as a player. And he, and he fits so well in this Mike D'Antoni system. He fits so well as like a number two scoring option next to James Harden. Uh, but you're right. He did. He did peter off there a little bit, and I think some of that too was Lou Williams getting added to the mix. Some of yeah. the shots started going to Lou, who's another guy who you could uh, you could certainly debate uh, for six man of the year. He had an excellent season um, as well. A lot of that though was piling up points with the Lakers, where they really had nobody else to score the ball when Lou was on the court. So I look at a guy like Eric Gordon, um, and he's the easy choice for me because he was so effective while also being part of. Uh, fitting in so well to a system that wasn't really designed specifically for him to get points. I mean, don't get me wrong. They ran a lot of stuff for Gordon, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, he, it wasn't like uh, like Williams with the Lakers where it was pretty much he was the only scoring option um, they had. I'll, I won't vote for Iguodala just because, you know, it's Iguodala. Um, Ashley, who's your sixth man of the year? Um, definitely Lou Williams. I'm actually surprised that he keeps bouncing around to teams. I'm like, he seems like such a valuable asset. Um, but I, I think he really made a great contribution to the Lakers and, um, you know, nuggets wise, Wilson Chandler for sure. Yeah. Um, obviously you have to, you have to acknowledge Andre Iguodala, even though I'm totally, 
I got, I love to root against the Warriors now because of what they've done. But um, <laughs> you, you do have to acknowledge his contribution, in my opinion. But Lou Williams takes the cake. Lou Williams. All right. All right. Well, moving right along, we'll go into the, now the last last player award, defensive player of the year. Um, I'll go first on this one. For me, it's pretty easy. It's Rudy Gobert, who who's another guy you actually probably could have made a good argument for most improved player as well. I don't think enough people give enough mention for Rudy Gobert and how good he really was. I don't think he's. I think he had one of the more underrated seasons, kind of flew under the radar, but he was really, really spectacular. Uh, the anchor of that defense in Utah, and and for me. Uh, you know, you could go Kawhi, I think, again, but uh, I'm going to go with Gobert. Ashley, what about you? Um, and here I go again with the Warriors, but uh, Draymond Green. I mean, he's just such a defensive presence, and uh, he's so tough to – and now, obviously, his tactics are a little questionable sometimes, but <laughs> I think, you know, he, he really is incredible. And also, I will uh, acknowledge Kawhi Leonard. I think that, you know, for his size, he really puts up a great effort every night. All right, Evan. What about you? I'm going Draymond. Draymond. All right. I don't, I don't necessarily forget about it, but he's just, he's a lot more versatile, I think, than than Gobert is. Uh, Gobert is in a close second for me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I mean, I can't I can't argue the versatility. Uh, nobody uh, nobody plays with his hands and his feet. Quite as well as Draymond Green does. <laughs> um, oh. When uh, final, final, one final award to get through, which would be Coach of the Year. Evan, I'll ask you first. Who who's winning Coach of the Year? I so wish that Miami would have made it into the playoffs because yeah. that would have gone to Eric Spolster in a heartbeat. Um, but I think, man, I think uh, D'Antoni will win it. But I would. I would vote for Brad Stevens. I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Uh, this is this isn't uh, this is just regular season, right? Because his playoff record is yeah. awful. But <laughs> right, yeah. regular season, he did a great job. I think right. winning the one seed in the East over there with right. Boston. No, don't trust me. George Carl can attest. It is only yeah. a regular season award. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> Postseason <laughs> performance is just what gets you fired. Uh, I would, uh, you know, I thought you'd think you bring up the, the three, the three real candidates there. Spolstra is interesting because yeah, I, th- I think he, you no know, coach did did more. Uh, well, I won't say that. I say he he's the second. He he did the second most with the with the least amount. Um, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I would go Brad Stevens. I get D'Antoni, but uh, and 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 I applaud Dan, D'Antoni for um, what he's done. He's he's found the, he's maximized James Harden's talents, um, and it's been really impressive to watch. But I, Brad Stevens, I think he was the one who really did the most with the least. Uh, which is not to say that the Celtics aren't or don't have talent because they do, but uh, to think that a team led by Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford. Um, and then a bunch of guys who are, who are like kind of like what the Nuggets have, a bunch of good but not great guys, to take that team and get the number one seed in the East over over LeBron and the Cavs, uh, really, really impressive. And I think really no no team achieved more. And we're kind of, I think, seeing it right now by, by their struggles in the postseason. But no team probably overachieved more for me this season, which mm-hmm. I always try and give the Coach of the Year award to the team that overachieves the most because I think that's usually a result of coaching as of the most. So I would go Brad Stevens. Ashley, what about you? Um, I'm going to go Scott Brooks. I think that, That's a good you one, know, too. Yeah. Um, I was I was very confused as to what he was doing in Oklahoma City when he was there. I felt like he should be doing more with what he had, and um, perhaps there was obviously something different at work there. But he's done some great stuff in Washington. Um, I think also John Wall is a big part of that. <laughs> but um, but also you have to acknowledge Brad Stevens, too. You're, you guys are absolutely right. He's done an incredible job this year. But um, – I'd, I'd give it to Scott Brooks. All right, yeah, I like that take. That's an interesting one, and I um, I agree. You know a lot about what you said. Scott Brooks has been he's been very impressive for them. Um, and we'll really get to see. I think uh, the the big knock on Brooks has always been has been postseason as well. Uh, he never was able to get the Thunder over the top. Uh, not that Billy Donovan has done anything different, but um, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how far he can take the Wizards. Like I said, I'm pulling for the Wizards, so I hope he goes a long way. Um, well, all right. That was, uh, I think we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll wrap it up right there. That was, that's a good one. A good podcast. Like I said, the first one without the, uh, without any actual nuggets games to talk about. Um, and I think we did, we did well. We, we made it through. Um, all right. Uh, so once again, Evan, you are at EE Fiala on Twitter. Fiala. Yes. <laughs> all right. And, and Ashley is at Ashley NBA hoops. 
Yep. And I am at Zach Nikosh. We are, of course, at Denver Stiffs and denverstiffs.com. Uh, all right, and we will talk to you guys again next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.